and welcome to a special Mammoth Games interview. Uh, today we are going to be uh, talking with Dr. Matthew White. Uh, so, of course, it's me, Filtercord, and I'm joined by Nightswarm today. Hey. And uh, Dr. White, go ahead and uh, real briefly introduce yourself, and then we'll start asking a bunch of leading questions. Sounds great. Yeah, Matthew White. Uh, run a small indie game publisher in Pennsylvania called Whitethorn Digital. Uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in AAA games, and now I'm here. So looking forward to answering your questions. Cool. And yeah, we were, uh, we were talking a little bit ahead of time, so of course, like we always do on the podcast anyways, we'll reference back to stuff that nobody heard uh, as if you guys were here <laughs> listening. So I'm sure that'll be fun. Um, okay, so yeah, let's... Uh, I mean, it, it turned out that um, the three of us kind of have a lot of contacts in common through... Uh, I guess kind of tangentially through Full Sail, but through Full Sail because um, a lot of people used to work um, in the, uh, what, Cham Champaign, Illinois? Yeah, it's uh, middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, I, I guess let's talk a little bit about your history, and I guess kind of start there because that'll be easy uh, jumping off point and then uh, redirect around um, to everything else you've kind of briefly uh not in like a sure. in-depth but go ahead oh sure yeah okay uh i mean i uh started at penn state well not really uh i got a phd <laughs> from memorial university i grew up in canada oh that's Nova cool Scotia. yeah 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 and so um my parents are american so i have two citizenships which is complicated nice. at tax time mm -hmm. but yeah it makes it uh makes it easy to flit around but yeah, I uh, worked at a bunch of indie studios in Canada, just sort of little stuff during the iPhone 3 era. Um, oh boy. Yeah, yeah, way back when. Did some consulting work, did a startup that failed miserably, um, took a teaching job that moved me to the US. I taught at Penn State, or I did game programming and design for a few years. Yeah, anyway, eventually I did contract work for Volition on Saints Row 4. That's cool. And then eventually they hired me fully. And so I stayed with Volition for... Saints Row 4, Saints Row Gata to Hell, Agents of Mayhem, Homefront the Revolution, and a few other mm. deep silver properties. And uh, before Agents of Mayhem launched, I took a job at PlayStation in California. So I was out there for a little under two years, yeah, a year and a half thereabouts. Um, and just got really tired of the kind of California life. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we blew probably 80% or more of our entire pay on just our tiny little $4,000 a month apartment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you're, in, you're stuck in commutes and you're working all day, every day. And it yeah. just, yeah, the quality of life wasn't all that high. So, um, yeah, I did a little indie game uh, just in my free time. That's beans. Uh, I made, like, very little money, but it made way more money than I put into it. And that mm -hmm. kind of was a little bit of a green light for me that it's like possible to make money in this space. And so yeah, yeah. The, the piece that I'm really good with is kind of putting everything together, collaborating everything. And that's kind of been my whole link throughout my time in the industry. So I took off from there. <clears throat> now I run a small thing here. I also have a daytime remote job with a company called Keyword Studios. Um, they're a services provider. Uh, I do data science and data analytics for them in the daytime and then this in the nighttime. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you've uh, definitely experienced um, from like the indiest possible, probably, of just kind of working on something. 
was uh was beans entirely on your own or uh, i mean like besides contractors and folks just like leaning in to help me i mean yeah Mm -hmm. it was me yeah so i mean that's about as indie as it gets and uh all the way up to you know working with um yeah triple a at a giant publisher right about as big as it gets so uh, i mean all the way up to sony i like to see the whole spectrum of the industry yeah for sure and it definitely i think uh gives you um you know, I have a perspective of the AAA industry and the indie industry, but the indie section is personal and the AAA is sort of hearsay from okay. what I know. You know what I mean? So, like, um, it, it's there's there's not uh, there's an increasing number of people that have experienced both, but still not a huge number. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. So um, you ended up uh, eventually setting up Whitethorn. I imagine that was probably something to. Um, publish i guess like beans under uh yeah as it originally yeah 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 um yeah it's a tax thing so we were spending a bunch of money on beans you'd make a bunch of money on beans you needed to make sure that it wasn't like hey i made a bunch of money with absolutely no expenses so Mm -hmm. yeah up comes the llc my wife and i just split it in half she owns half i own half and that's that's it and then um you know, now obviously it's got a little bit of a different role, but same LLC, same kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's cool, and, and that's also um, I know uh, there's kind of been a thing in the industry going around how EA started out to be such a like change, like a sea change in games, where it's like uh, you know they started out as like a cooperative, and then it's expanded to the monolithic corporation that it is now. So, um, not only in your career have you kind of experienced the uh, both the large and the small end, but also uh, you know starting something that was really just a personal project that would yep. go on to now, um, you know, a couple projects a year that you're working with, um, mm-hmm. you know, with only really room to go up from there. Well, hey, I hope so. You know, um, I think there's a lot of talk in the games industry about uh, structure, like company structure. Like everybody mm. wants to kind of be Valve with like the flat thing. Right. Um, and I mean, there's like varying degrees of success and failure in that, right? Like, uh mm. Yeah, I think even Valve typically talks about it not working super well. (laughs) I mean, uh, we can see as like a, from like an output perspective, it is not working well. Because they... Well, hey, yeah, I mean, it... uh, Yeah. They have trouble putting anything out. But, you know, it... um, Structure-wise, I mean, we're an LLC with traditional employees. Like, nothing's Mm -hmm. scary or new age, innovative, wild, and daring. It's, It's It's... super traditional everybody you know does what we need to do and yeah i, I don't yeah. have much more to it than that it's it's a very traditional llc mm-hmm. but i know that you have um kind of talked about before like um you're definitely interested in you know workers rights you're definitely yeah. I, I think you've talked about some game dev unionization stuff in the past um yes. especially around telltale time was when it that that bell started really getting rang. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah, I, you know, we there's not another tree in the world where you can get away with working people 100 hours a week without paying them without ending up in prison. You know, yeah. it's just like uh, we're a young industry. Um, you know, the the industry as a whole is like maybe just barely 50 years old. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there've been games older than that, but in terms of like a proper like pipeline yeah. for making games and selling them it's quite young and so right. i mean 
you know, when the films industry was 50 years old, the same thing happened, right? Like a club mm -hmm. of people got together and they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're being worked at fucking death. The industry can't exist without us. We are literally, you know, not to be the communist in the room, but we are literally the means of production. Like if we stop working, yeah. there's no more games. Um, so, you know, consistently being worked to death for the idea of working in games is not, you know, really all it's cracked up to be. We talk about this like the porno problem, right? It's that, <laughs> it, well, really, I mean, like, Everybody watching a porno, male, female, doesn't matter, is like, I can do that job. All I got to do is get screwed. Like, it's, it's, right. it's, I can totally do that. And as a result, the number of people, especially men, applying to do that job are absolutely through the roof. So, mm -hmm. consequently, because of that massive supply of people waiting in the backlog to take any open position, it puts a boss in a position to be like, oh, you don't want to do X, Y, Z hours a week? Well, get the fuck out. There's two million people behind you waiting for this job. You position. Oh, yeah. And so... And I'll pay them less. <laughs> right, exactly. So unfortunately, the, the yeah. power position is really a little awkward. The people that actually don't do much of the production of the game hold all the mm. cards. And that's a, tr that's a very classic labor dispute, right? It's like... Yeah. You know, when you're on the floor putting the cars together, the person that's sitting in the business office is cutting everybody's salaries and whatnot and working them to death to get the profits. But it's like you're not actually doing any of the work, though. Right. So, like that, the, you know, even what is arguable of what work was done, that was in the past and you're not doing it anymore. Right. You know? Exactly. So, so uh, and I mean, especially, especially yeah. in the case where you're hired as a business person, like mm -hmm. you never were on the floor. Right. right? Like you, you come in specifically to run the place. And so, anyway, to that end, over here, we definitely do try our best to not be crunchy, crunchy. I mean, I'm in here on a Saturday mm -hmm. trying to push something through cert, but, I mean, uh, you know, it does happen a little bit. Um, but I think that actually is more endemic to us being a startup than it is games industry. I mean, like, right now, mm -hmm. we literally don't make enough money to stay open, so we kind of got to have day right. jobs and have all this other stuff. So like, everybody that's working here right now is working two jobs. So that... Mm -hmm. That's kind of the crunch we're facing right now. No, we want very strictly nine to five PTO breaks for lunch, like, you know, standard industry practices that you would be proud to call, you know, that you'd be proud of. You don't have to tell anybody, oh, yeah, I worked my employees 100 hours last month. Jesus Christ. Like, that's fucking. As if you're bragging. <laughs> I know. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? That's like, you know. I, I mean, it's just. I don't know. There's something like broken about that. It's like, oh yeah, I beat the shit out of my kid yesterday. You should have seen the black eye I gave him. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who brags about abusing people that look to you for support? Like, yeah. that's yeah. It's, there's something just fundamentally wrong with that, as far as we. I'm uh, I mean, that's definitely like a high horse that I'll get on. So you're certainly not out of line. Um, like we were just talking about, uh, like uh, Cliff Blazinski had a. Uh, tweet recently <laughs> where he was like hey i want people to know that you know i paid my employees medical for a month and a half after we closed the studio and you know i i gave them some severance pay or whatever that was like a month's worth <laughs> and everybody is commenting on it like wow that's amazing oh my god you should you're really to be looked up to it's like that's what every other business already has to do anyways and then i mean isn't like, like required by law to cover you if you lay depending. people off by a certain amount of time like i thought yeah. anyway yeah that's love, uh there's I, a court case about that right now in california so we'll i love see. how hey guys oh, go ahead i love how backhanded cory barlog's com or uh yeah. response yeah. was to that he's <laughs> like yeah you're supposed to do that anyway but good job <laughs> yeah, cory barlog's yeah. a hero i was like, I was like hey guys i did what was minimum required by law where's Please. my trophy yeah i know yeah. yeah yeah i mean 
you'll hear a lot about labor standards in this industry right now, and I think that's good mm-hmm. because it's good they're talking about. You know, it. for the number of I mean, for the number of people that are like, there's something just really fundamentally discordant about getting into an industry because you're in love with it, and it's like a thing you've wanted to do since you were a little kid. And then getting here and then just getting absolutely face fucked, like mm. worked until you can't stand up anymore. Like it's yeah. that's just stupid. I mean, and then you get into this horrible cognitive dissonance where you're like, Well, I spent my entire life trying to get here and now I'm utterly miserable, but if I leave, what's left of me? Because this yeah, was what my whole life Right. Right. And so right. and a lot of the time the games industry gives you a bit of a black ball, right? Like mm. You know, for a little while when I was trying to get out of California, I mean, the role I did in the game at PlayStation anyway was data science. And I mean, that's like hot everywhere. Like you mm-hmm. could get hired in medical and what like any it's like, oh, I have experience with like SQL and an advanced degree that has statistics. It's like, oh, Jesus, get in here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people like in those interviews when I was like, you know, I'd call like healthcare and other places just to get out so I could start the indie gig. Um, mm-hmm. It happened that I got a wonderful remote job with keywords, but just as a total fluke, like I wasn't actively looking um, yeah. because I was intending to be like in healthcare and banking and something and just do the games on the side until I could, you know, kind of take off. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, a lot of them in the interviews were like, so wait a minute, you do data science in video games? And like, say, like it gives you a real fucking black ball when you leave games mm. to go into basically any other industry. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly like being a porn star, but if you're like, I'm applying for this daycare job, and it's like, you used to work in adult films, and it's like, mm, yep, yeah. and yeah. so you're kind of screwed, right? So, I mean, you, from the perception of somebody that's like an insurance company, if you come in to do software engineering, they're like, you've literally been making like, you know, cartoon characters or whatever for the last 10 years. What the hell do you know about anything? So that arrogance and ignorance about our industry, once you're in here, you're kind of in here. Um, yeah. it's, it's sort of hard to leave unless you go into another creative industry, of course, you know, if you went to film or something, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, that ignorance is still pretty pervasive, especially if you go into kind of big older companies. Um, yeah. And that's, um, that's definitely like that and like the sort of built in barrier to entry with not only the competition, but like you sort of have to be, um, you you have to debase yourself to get your first foot in the door anyway. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay your dues, like initiations, and yeah, absolutely. They work for free or that kind of thing. You know, uh, one of the, the, you know, the whole two-year paradox in every industry, right? Like, oh, you can't get the intro job without two years experience, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That happens everywhere, but unfortunately in the games industry, the way you get your two years experience is usually like just four summers of unpaid work. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty shitty. Uh, on top of that, though, you know, uh, one of the ways we try to kind of help indies here is, I mean, we're we're quick with the lawyers. Um, like, I don't want to, you know, talk about anything that's currently going on that I can't talk about. But, I mean, we right. have taken legal action three or four times in the last month or two on behalf of clients. Okay. Um and I'm not, what I'm trying to say is one of the things that pervades when you're in a position, like when you work in the games industry and you're being kind of stepped on all the time is you get this real imposter syndrome about like, I can't stand up for myself or mm-hmm. I won't be here anymore. And so when folks sign with us, one of the things we rapidly take over is kind of sticking up for them on their behalf. Um, so, you know, if somebody, well, this one, I guess, uh, 
one of our clients, um, some scammer put up a fraudulent crowdfunding campaign with all of their information, name, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm. and started skimming funds from people who thought they were supporting our client. Wow. And so the crowdfunding entity in question was extremely tepid and slow at responding to our requests. So then mm. we just sent them a threatening legal letter from our attorney's firm. And suddenly, very, very quickly, that was removed and closed. Um, yeah. So un- unfortunately, sometimes the thing that you're missing is just like the resources to defend yourself. Um, you know, so we kind of try to help out with that most of the time because sometimes unfortunately the only way to get decent work conditions is to grab them by the throat here Mm -hmm. i find yeah that's interesting that's something that we've talked about in the past too that's like um you know there there's some stuff that when you first hear about it it's ridiculous like uh what was um um bethesda sued or zenimax i should say sued somebody for using uh scroll in the title of their game yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. In fact, it was uh, the Minecraft studio. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Notch yeah. and his partner. So, um, you know, it's it's like, you know, sometimes you you have to do something that sort of seems cagey, but like, yeah, you know, well, if I mean, they like, don't if they don't defend it, then they can't ever defend it. Right. Like King. I mean, fucking yeah, King. Tried to trademark Saga. Saga. <laughs> and it's like, That's I mean, heavy. like. Yeah, and like candy and all kinds of other stupid yep. shit. Like, yeah, just really terrible. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like with anything, there's a line somewhere. We mm-hmm. typically only use the lawyer to protect people. We're not like going out and actively bashing on people's like copyrights or whatever. But you know, yeah, uh, and it, um, you know, there's a you can make a huge, uh, you know, defensive move to just make a threat that nobody knows if you're gonna pick up on it or not. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, like non competes are a common thing that our clients mm-hmm. get. A- screwed up in where you know they worked for some company for two months in the summer and now they've got a two-year non-compete that they're bound to and so we have to you know get the lawyer involved in that kind of thing uh you know claiming ownership over their games when they worked for you four years ago like all kinds of stupid crap like that comes Mm -hmm. up all the time so that's interesting so yeah i guess that that we can kind of ride that into um sort of a I guess just as uh, me and Night Swarm were um, talking ahead of time, that was kind of like, you know, we were curious as to, uh, I guess, sort of um, considering the uh, level in the industry that Whitethorn is at, what what kind of, um, I mean, what kind of service do you provide to a client? So we, we got yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, sure. So when folks sign up with us, um, you know we're we're a publisher so we take a small chunk of your revenue often uh we try to stay right around like 10 15 percent um and in exchange at the at launch nothing to up front um in exchange we uh help you deploy on the consoles get you access to sort of pipelines to sales that you might not otherwise have in that sense um we Mm -hmm. do a lot of your deployment and porting for you um, do project management, help you actually get your games done, organize your scrums, refer you to contractors. We take care of your marketing. We run you a Kickstarter as kind of like a beta test. Um, you keep that money. We don't take any of it. Um, mm. you know, we do legal protection, get you LLC'd, whatever, if you don't have it already, um, help you with your accounting. We're literally a business services firm plus publisher. That's literally what okay. we do. 
Um, you know, even as we speak, we're in here banging on a certification issue with one of our uh -huh. partners. Um, so it, like, that's kind of what we're here for. Um, there is a lot that goes into selling a game besides what goes into just making the game. So, hmm. you know, if you think about like homebrew beer, even if you make something that's spectacular in your basement and all your friends absolutely love it, if you just try to go like take that out and sell it for money, like you're going to be in jail. So <laughs> yeah. the actual process between making it and then turning it into a business and selling it legally and getting that entire pipeline set up is difficult. And I mean, it's a lot of work that yeah. a lot of folks that got into games as an engineer, as an artist, I mean, have never even considered. And so we kind of try to obviate and eschew all of that so you don't end up as one of those like 10,000 probably pretty good games that come out every year on Steam that nobody ever plays. Um, so that... That's kind of the pitch, but excuse me. The uh, the way it actually takes shape can vary pretty wildly. Um, mm -hmm. From you know, like <laughs> one of our clients did a show at E3, and um, minutes before that show, we were sitting in the back testing a build, <laughs> and for some stupid reason, anytime you touched the B button on the controller, it would crash to desktop. Wow. And so the B button's not used in this game, to be clear. So it's just, it was like a simple two button game. So mm -hmm. in any case, we were like, well, fuck. We're back here, backstage. We don't have a computer. We don't have a compiler. We can't fix this. There's no possible way we can recompile the entire thing in the amount of time it's going to take to get on stage. Yeah. What, yeah. what do, like, the interviewer will almost certainly push the B button at some point. <laughs> and then, like, it was on GameSpot. And it's like, so you don't want to be on GameSpot's front page and have the fucking thing crash to desktop, yeah, right? So it's just like a panic attack. And so this was Brian. This was actually Brian. He'll uh, he'll tell you all about. Um, okay. Not Crick. Not Crick. Wilson. Um, where the bees make honey. Okay. And so yeah. yeah, he'll tell you all about this one. I guess it's not all that secret. But uh, yeah, I mean, so literally, I shit you not. I am in the backstage of this uh, um, fucking like hotel deal. <laughs> and I pull out a pocket knife and a lighter, yes. and I open the Xbox controller, and I heat the with the pocket knife, unscrew it, heat the pocket knife off, and cut the solder to the B button on the controller and screw <laughs> it back shut. That's a and that's so a we, custom uh, controller now. That's how you still do have, that. We still have one controller in here somewhere in the office. It's one of them where the B button is just permanently broken that's because I was beautiful. like, "Fuck it, we got to get like I." It is more important to me to ruin this $10 controller, this little yeah. like Amazon Basics fucking uh, <laughs> Xbox One controller. Um, or it'd be yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> than to have you just shit the bed on, right. you know, in front of fucking a million people. So, wow. I, yeah, so I mean, the, what we actually end up doing, you know, varies pretty considerably. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, the punchline is we're here to support folks, take a reasonable chunk of their stuff, and get them to a point where they would maybe not be able to have previously gotten. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is like, you know, there, there's definitely like a sort of a no man's land between like, you know, I published one of 600 games that came out on Steam this month. And, uh, you know, that's a, you know, that's professional. You're you're putting out a product that has a dollar value attached that no that's can... good it's it's like an amazing yeah. step i mean like you did the thing that's exactly like it's important and then for somebody that doesn't want to go through the tax issues and the the business mindedness part there's the other side which i mean of course um this can kind of lead out of that also but there's the side where you can just release something on itch um yep. make it free you can just download it 
you're taking, you know, you as the customer downloading it, this is all a risk on you. I don't know how this thing works on your computer. Have fun with it. If it doesn't work, yep. let me know. Maybe you can fix it yourself. Here's the files. We actually, like, we love uh, itch for, like, uh, yeah. kind of smaller experimental stuff. You know, mm -hmm. like, we, you know, nobody, I would never tell you to, like, go on itch for, like, a really, like, high-end. Why the hell is there a paint scraper in here? Who the hell was in my office? <laughs> got to be. Sorry, guys. That's got to be somebody that's like maintenancing the building. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. not the way to go for like a AAA yeah, release. I mean, make, uh, well, not even that. You're not even going to make. You're not even going to make enough money to like keep doing it. So like right, most of the people right. that are our clients that come in here are either one person making a game mm. or like a really small team, and the aspirations they have when they come in are when we get you to submit something to us, we we get two things. We get a video. So, or a build, if you have a build, but like a video mm -hmm. of like, show me your game and all the detail. Then give me a one page document. I want one paragraph that is just a pitch about the game, like one paragraph, elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And then the next bit is an aspirations pitch. So what I want to hear is like, what do you want out of making games? Like, do you want to be super rich? Do you want to get to a point where you're working at Blizzard? Do you want to you know, have a game on the front page of Steam. Like, what? what's the goal? Do you want to win the IGF? Like, I want to hear the aspirations um, mm -hmm. to see if I can literally help you get there or not, right? Okay. And so, or even if it's even appropriate, right? If the reasons you're pushing the game out are to be like, I want to get a game sold with enough copies and have it be quality enough that someone at, like, Blizzard notices so I can get hired there. It's like, okay, cool. That's an admirable thing that a lot of people do. But, like, maybe that's not the best use of my time either because, right. you know, that's not going to make me any money. It's not going to make our business work. Um, mm -hmm. But it's still a cool thing that a lot of people do, like put out some, like, gorgeously complex shader engine that they put out for free. It's like, wow. I, and, and then somebody from Blizzard or somebody is like, wow, that's really good. We could use someone like that, and then they scoop you up. Yeah, that happens um, with mod makers. Yeah, exactly. So the aspirations piece is, like, I, I want people... And we, we seek out people who are like, I just want to make games and I want that to be my job. Like, I want to be able to work for myself, make a reasonable income, and make games. And that's really what virtually everybody that comes to us is asking. They're like, how do I get from I'm making this thing that's kind of cool to I'm making this thing that's kind of cool that I could reasonably support myself at a, at a fair and reasonable income and quality of life? Like how does how do we close that gap? Yeah, and that's that's really what we try to help people with, um, because I mean that's the goal for a lot of them, I mean, even me, really. I mean that's what we want to do: make things that we're proud of and make a reasonable income doing. Right. Okay. Um, do you want to, uh, I guess, talk about some of the projects that are in the works now? Um, I was able to track down one, two, three, four, four that are. Um, live in some stage of production right now? Yeah, yeah, sure. If you had specific questions, I'd be happy to address well, them. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we have like the, uh, we have the link to um, the Kickstarter for Where the Bees Make Honey. It looks like that's going to be successful. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's so we have, um, we've had a 100% record in the 2018 cohort with getting them funded on Kickstarter. Yeah. Proud to say we're doing pretty good at that. Um, awesome. That's largely thanks to our wonderful partner, Anya, who is at Kickstarter, who helps us out with a lot of this stuff. She's spectacular. Mm. Um, in any case, uh, Where the Bees Make Honey is a game from solo dev Brian Wilson. He's a guy from Erie, actually. It was a total fluke. I went on <laughs> Twitter to find games that I thought I might like, and I talked to him, and he was literally three miles away. It was complete 
serendipity, coincidence, stupidity. Um, so yeah, we picked him up early. He uh, he's the only dev on that. It's Unity. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. It's kind of like a walking simulator narrative, um, kind of two hour ish experience. Um, meant to be very pretty and very polished, sort of get you thinking. Um, plays a bit like a complex puzzle movie. Um, and it's like about a $10 price point. So this is definitely not like your $60 flagship title. Mm-hmm. Way more of kind of like a thoughtful, gone home kind of experience. And uh, yeah, um, he's doing really well with it. I think it'll probably go into certification probably in January. So out for the end of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been featured on GameSpot, ID at Xbox, yeah. show, showed at the floor on E3. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's then awesome. Um, yeah. I know... Uh, I guess this is sort of my connection in um, Bombfest. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, one was successfully funded earlier this year. Correct. Yeah, Bombfest four-player party game, um, all consoles, January. That's Zach and Marissa, um, yes. small team from Cleveland and Findlay or somewhere south there. I don't know what the name of that area is. Uh, of Cleveland area still? No, where Marissa went to college, way south of Cleveland. Um, the name, oh, sorry, way south of Ohio. The name of it escapes me, but it's literally uh, on the border of Kentucky. Uh, oh, I would uh, not recommend that. Um, <laughs> she has. Uh, I wouldn't recommend Ohio in general, probably. <laughs> hey, I like Kentucky a whole lot, man. Uh, Bourbon and horses. She has a uh, Portsmouth. Portsmouth. There you go. Yeah, the name was uh, um, the name escaping. That is Shawnee College. Shawnee, Shawnee. That's it. Interesting. Bruh. But anyway, uh, yeah, the, those two from there. Um, yeah, that's it's. Uh, that was a natural, easy win. Actually, my wife found him because one of her friends is like his best friend, and so it was just like a oh, total. Okay. I saw it. I saw it on Facebook, and it was like, "What's his game?" And <laughs> Katie looked and was like, "Oh, that's a dude that I know." I was like, oh, we should definitely call him like immediately. Um, yeah. that worked out really. That worked out really easily, actually. Yeah. Um, and he's um, he's great. Um, it's actually uh, sort of uh, uh, dev processes we're working on for him right now. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, and then I know also from Cleveland area. I'm not sure specifically where, but uh, Tinselfly. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a. Yeah, this is something that he's been looking at for a long time. I think I remember seeing some early stuff of this maybe even a couple years ago. Yeah, this was heavy lifting for us because Brian's a solo dev and it's like mm-hmm. a wildly interesting game. It's kind of a bit like uh, um, Mist is the best mm-hmm. uh, comparison I can give you. Um, completely atmospheric, puzzle-solving, narrative-based, sort of internal, very thoughtful kind of thing. Um it's gorgeous. And one of the things that's interesting about this is, uh, yeah, he's been at that for years. Um, mm-hmm. So the reason I say it was heavy lifting is not because he has particularly difficult dev challenges, but because, like, it's just trying to get a game that... There's a funny thing, like, the more you step on the gas pedal when you're stuck in the mud, sometimes you just get stuck worse. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're just trying to make sure that actually gets out. That's probably a March 2020 kind of game. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's... Uh, it's great. It's got lots of attention. It'll hopefully be showing at ID at Xbox uh, sometime in the future. I don't know. Wow. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's uh, it's a little well. It'll certainly launch on Xbox at some point in the future, anyway. So yeah. um, it's good. It's great. He uh, he has a um, uh, 
disorder is the wrong word. He has a, well, I guess it's kind of a disability. I don't know how he'd frame it, but he has a condition with his memory where um, it's called severely disabled, severe, severely diminished autobiographical memory combined with a thing called aphantasia. So okay. punchline is he can't actually picture things in his mind. So oh, wow. when I say like picture something, until very mm. recently, he assumed that was like a figure of speech. Wow. Yeah. So like there is literally no visual sketch pad in his mind. When he walks away from a mirror, he doesn't know what he looks like. Uh, That's amazing. So that explains why he, because uh, I know he kind of is a, from an art background. Yeah. And so the the way the the way the game looks is just mesmerizing. Mm -hmm. it oh, it's fantastic. Defies defies understanding. It defies physics. Like it's like playing an Escher and Dali painting that had a baby. Like it's yeah. just is wild. And so hearing that story and seeing that really unique kind of um, eye made that really compelling. And so yeah. we're really and he he's very um, reserved and calm and kind of shy mm -hmm. and sheepish and sort of like oh you know I guess it's all right. And we're like no you gotta man you gotta sell this. This is great. Yeah. Um, we're trying to kind of help him get that out the door because, uh, yeah, there is something really valuable in that. He has a really, really unique perspective that is rare. Um, so really interesting to see that kind of work come through. Yeah, I do a lot of, um, of the game jams here in Cleveland with, I've gone to a couple of years of that and, uh, uh, him and his wife always are, uh, I mean, they're, they're a very interesting, uh, creative team. Some of the stuff they come up with is like. Oh, okay, that's not going to work. That's really cool, but it's not going to happen. And then at the uh -huh. end of the 48 hours, you're like, yep, there it is. That's what they said. Uh-huh. Yeah, he um, he does some interesting stuff, you know, and uh, he is an absolute wizard with shaders if you've ever gotten him on wow. um, shader programming. Like, actually, one of the things that's lovely about our little um, kind of group here is we're all very um, intercollaborative. There's no NDAs between us. We're all under one blanket one, for example. So... Okay. Um, you know, like an issue might pop up in um, Brian Wilson's game, like where the bees make honey, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he might hop on our Discord and be like, I'm having like viewability issues with some items that someone needs to find in this scene. What can I do? And like Brian Crick will be literally be like, oh, here's a shader and just throw a shader file on. <laughs> and like, it's, it's just really interesting. And uh, it's that kind of indie camaraderie you like, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's cool. <clears throat> And then um, speaking of something that has had uh, more eyes on it, if I remember right, um, Starcrossed is uh, what that's mm -hmm. from NYU team. I don't know the university actually. I think maybe, but uh, um, the, I they have some City. kind of um, connection to. Uh, I've seen like Nina Freeman uh, mm -hmm. talking about this game in the past, and she knows a couple of the people working on it. And I believe that this was at the um, PC Gamer show. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah. not at E3, maybe a year prior, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, Starcrossed, uh, that's like a four-ish person team. Um, New York City, uh, Francesca, Benny, Dylan, and Mike. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's sort of a two-player, well, not mandatory, there's an AI player, but like a cooperative, magical girls, shoot 'em up action narrative yeah. thing. And it's loads of fun. That baby was born for Nintendo Switch, so we are uh, happy to be working on it with them. Francesca's really good at drumming up a lot of attention for it. Um, yeah. 
features some strong LGBT characters, which we think is super important. Um, yeah, happy to be putting it out there. And uh, Nina is wonderful. If you've ever kind of had some time to chat with her, she works yeah. with the IGDA Scholars Program, which I went through and volunteer with too. So yeah, it's a good crew. It's definitely a good crowd to be involved with. Um, and I think a lot of these kind of weird non-traditional audience stories need to be told so yet another mm. angle we're really happy to put our fingers in if even in a small way yeah and then i mean now that we're talking about that i know um one thing at least with this batch and probably the next batch or two that are on the way um you've really been kind of focusing on like local co-op yeah so we uh, well we not necessarily of, local i guess but yeah we do a lot of um so our brand is supposed to be togetherness, which is a wide, stupid brand. But the bottom mm -hmm. line is we sit on things that get people together and talking. So whether that's competition like BombFest, where it's like we're going to sit together on the couch and play with one another, you know, collaboration like StarCrossed, or whether it's something that's kind of introspective and makes you talk, we try to pick games that are either physically put you together on the couch or are games that are a bit like that kind of movie where you leave and you're like, what the hell did that mean? And you spend the entire drive home talking about the thing together. Yeah. So um, we do a lot of couch co-op. We do a lot of couch competitive. We we um, interview a lot of, well, I shouldn't say we, we've only signed those five. So uh, four right now, we lost one actually. Mm. But um, they regardless, so we usually only have those ones on the go. Um, but, you know, sometimes we take a little off brand. We might take a platformer or something. But... Yeah. Um, that's pretty much the core. We try to stay away from really heavily like M-rated stuff, not because we dislike those games. I've been playing Red Dead Redemption for the last couple of weeks, and it's fucking Very stellar. Nice. <laughs> um, so you know, despite all the labor issues, which is a whole different thing, but regardless, yeah. the like the game itself is lovely. Um, but yeah, so we try to shy away from like running gun stuff or first-person shooter stuff, horror stuff. Again, not that mm. we don't like them. It's just kind of not on brand. So everything you see from us is going to be really thoughtful, ethereal, colorful. Yeah. That's kind of where we try to focus. Well, that stuff tends to... I, I think there's already a, a kind of a big um, indie market that's already existing for... I mean, as you were saying that, all I could think of was... Um, what, like uh, Fork Parker? Um, what's, the, uh, what's the publisher, Jay, that, that always has the like mock show? Oh, Devolver? E3. Yeah, it uh, really Devolver. reminds me of Devolver, as you were saying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know, Devolver's so funny. They're great guys uh, and yeah. girls. I've been at their E3 parties a whole bunch of times. They're... Funny thing is, like, even among publishers, which are usually, like, viciously competitive in music, for example, mm. um, like, there's none of that shit. Like, I mean, I was hanging out with, like, fucking guys from Raw Fury at uh, PAX and just having a beer, like, a dinner date with folks from Good Shepherd. Like, I mean, there's just there's just a camaraderie. It's almost like you're all yeah. brewers or plumbers or like you work together and you all know the industry. So, um, you know, it, the way we compete is by picking different games. Like, we, we would never be poaching from Devolver anyway, right? So right. it's like the people who Devolver would publish, generally speaking, we would never touch because in terms mm -hmm. of scope, they're going to be larger. In terms right. of type of game they're going to be grittier pulpier on brand for them right like devolver mm -hmm. is basically pulp fiction in video game form a lot mm -hmm. of the time the devolver also um really reminds me of like adult swims publishing branch yeah 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 so you look at like you know hotline miami things like that mm -hmm. and they're gorgeous but it's a very different brand than what we work on right. um and so you know a lot of the time we're not necessarily super competitive in that sense anyway right. so right. 
yeah, there's a real, I think there's a friendly camaraderie there. Like I've got, and Becca, I don't think would be too upset about me saying this. I've got like a crush on Finji. Like that's pretty <laughs> much our, like, that's like our yeah. avatar brand that we're like, yeah, that's who we want to be. Take next to nothing, provide as much service as we possibly can be like endlessly dedicated to the success of the people that jump on with us. But at the same time, admittedly up front, you know, we're not, we're not Devolver, so we can't really just say, oh, you need 700 grand to finish this game. Here it is. Like, that's... Right. We can't do that. We really can't. I mean, mm-hmm. we do front costs for people. You know, we bring them to conferences. We get them booths. We cover their dev kit expenses. Like, we're, we're here fronting costs all the time. But mm-hmm. we... I mean, we're not... We're not a publicly... You know, we don't have investment, like Raw Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have, you know, five, six major published games that have done super well, like Devolver. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're we're in that space where we have to be a little bit spry um, and kind of uh, snaky at the moment, you know, where we have to be fucking hot knifing a controller in the back of a hotel <laughs> um, before an yeah. E3 show, uh, you know, where we got to be covering holes in our floor with like rugs. Um, so, you know, yeah. we'll get there, you know, but in 2019 is kind of the first publication year for us. So. We're in here every day trying to make sure that 2019 is a real banner year that we come out really on fire. And, uh, you know, one of the ways we're doing that is just making sure we're putting huge amounts of effort into our flagship products, which are our, our four big guys that we're publishing, right? Like, right. that's everything you already know. Um, and then we do, you know, we are actively booked for a long ass time. So we're also cultivating what the deals look like for the next year that we'll announce at E3. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we try to go on cohorts, 2018, 2019, yada, yada. You are looking at the 2018 cohort right now. So right. is this um, kind of like not 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 Devolver Digital uh, like direction that the company is? Is that like yearly or are you sticking with that for the long game? Like, are you uh, trying to no, stick we'll with always, this? Yeah. We always, we always want to do five forever. If I grow, if we grow, I mean, we would just pick five bigger games. Like, yeah. I was meaning, I'd rather pick bigger in scale than in number. Yeah, I was meaning mm-hmm. like, uh, like let's say someone brought to you a game that isn't so, um, uh, like, colorful and fun. It's a little more gritty. Uh, I sure. mean, is that something you would consider, or are you like, no, this is what we're sticking with right now. It's just not for us, but there are other people out there that'll help you. I would probably literally call a friend at Devolver and give you an intro, to be totally honest. <laughs> okay. I mean, we we had um, uh, Gravistar. We had talked with those guys. Mm-hmm. And it's like this massive like kind of JRPG type deal, but it's big. It's way bigger than we could easily do. Okay. And so, I mean, we had a call, and they were like, yeah, we need like three quarters of a million bucks, whatever, or some number mm-hmm. like that. But it was, it's big. And I mean, it's it, like, I know how much it costs to make video games. Like, that's a reasonable yeah. ask. I mean, it, yeah, when you look at some stuff, it's like, oh, that's extremely cheap to make a game. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so yeah. when they were talking about it, I was like, well, there's no fucking way I can afford that. Like, it's just flat out. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick. It's just yeah. like, right. It's I just mean, a... I just, I can't find that for you right now. Um, mm-hmm. We're at a stage in our business where I'd rather publish like five. $25,000 games than one $125,000 game simply mm-hmm. because of where we are. Yeah. And so, yeah, with them, I was like, well, I can't help you, but I still want to be a good guy, Greg, and want you to know that, like, just by meeting me and talking with me, you had a good experience. So you tell your smaller friends that I was helpful. So I'm going to see if I can find somebody to hook you up with that'll be mm-hmm. a little more 
up your alley. And yeah, I mean, I'm we're all ready to do that. I mean, it's the same way with Raw Fury, right? Like, I mean, when we start chatting at a conference, whatever, a lot of those guys are like, yeah, we get people that come in and they apply and they're like tiny. Like we just, they're below where we would reasonably publish someone. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, hey, send them my way. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's just, yeah. Yeah, that's, there's a very reasonable back and forth there. That's really cool to see that, you know, like, oh, like you get something and you're like, you know, I think this would be perfect for this other group to make. Yeah, nobody, like, nobody fantastic. like, Nobody's throat cutting that I've seen anyway. I mean, you know, we do compete, so there's some business in there. But, like, there's definitely no, like, you know, they're going to fucking come visit me and, like, flush yeast down my toilet and blow my sewer <laughs> pipes or anything. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing like, nasty happening, you know. Like, it's not, it's really not like that at all. Um, that's I think awesome. that's what makes indies indies, right? Like, I mean, when I was at PlayStation, you know, you didn't necessarily want to be seen hanging out with a Microsoft recruiter, even if you were just friends. Like, it's just not, you know what I mean? It's like having lipstick on your collar. Like, it's not a good mm-hmm. idea. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you legitimately got it there because you were, I don't know, slipped and fell and got lipstick on your collar. Um, We've all been there. You know, you don't, well, yeah, right. I mean, one way or another, you don't want to have to explain that. So, uh, consequently, you know, it was a little more tense at the bigger publishers. But that's like, I think it's one of the things that's charming about being an indie generally, right? Like, if you go... If I was working at Volition and then I met one of my buddies at Ubisoft at GDC and I was like, tell me what you're working on. They'd be like, you, you fucking know I can't do that. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. But, but like indies, it's like, tell me what you're working on. Well, shit, we got the shader problem where blah, 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 blah. And they'll tell you fucking everything, right? Like, it's just more open. There's a camaraderie mm-hmm. to it. It reminds me more of like beer, like microbrewing. I mean, every town has five or six indies and they're all happy to get together and tell you fucking everything. Like, they'll tell mm-hmm. you the recipe for the beer they're making. Like, it's just, it's... Mm-hmm. There's a camaraderie and a, a guild ship of practice where you're just so happy to talk to other people that are going through the same struggles that all that like NDA crap kind of goes out the window. Most of the yeah. NDA stuff we do is to protect us from our platform partners, or rather, I should say, to protect the interests of our platform partners. So, mm. you know, for example, we have hardware from some of the major platform uh, fold, uh, holders to help people get onto consoles. And all that hardware is, of course, protected by uh, various hardware agreements that we have to be beholden to. So we, you know, make sure everybody that comes in here signs an NDA and that they're not access to certain things they don't need to see and blah, blah, blah. But none of it's our games. We're happy to show you what we're working on games-wise anytime. Like, it's a, yeah, it's a very different kind of thing when you're indie. Yeah, it's 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 really cool just to, like, I feel like our listeners really have... Um, like a different, like we usually tackle things that are much bigger. I mean, we go, you know, we talk about indie stuff like as much as we can, but a lot of our stuff ends up being like, this is what's happening with the bigger companies in the industry right now. And, you know, it's a little more, they played a little, a lot more close to the chest, like close to the chest with a jacket over it. Like, Mm. and a gun. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's really, I, I think they would be surprised to hear how like, cool and open it is with the indie community i think, I think that's, that's why a lot of people go indie though right like i mean if you got into beer because you really really loved beer and then one day you found yourself working at the budweiser factory just shoveling hops into the mash and being like why the fuck am i doing this like you leave and you go to your hometown you buy a mash ton and you make something interesting like that's i think to some extent that's like a lot of the folks you see that are indie now were triple a yesterday you know Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody certainly there's like a grassroots indie scene that's just folks that otherwise really haven't been in AAA. but mm. 
there's definitely a contingent of people that are like, wait a minute, those people at the IGF awards seem like they're having way more fun than the people at the GDC awards immediately after. And it's like, that's the most uncanny thing about the industry is like, if you go to GDC on the Wednesday night, there's the IGF awards immediately followed by the game developers choice awards. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, IGF is all indies. GDC is all, um, triple A games. Although a bunch of indies have started winning the game developers choice ones too. Uh, for a long while in the early kind of indie scene, a lot of folks would wait till the end of the IGF awards. And as soon as they were like, stay tuned for the game developers choice awards, everybody leaves. Cause they're just (laughs) like, Oh good. Let's watch call of duty win 15 fucking awards and see the same guy go up there 20 times. Like, (laughs) and I am not, I'm not saying they're not good games. Like they're, I mean, I've worked on these games. I have friends that actively do. So that's not me throwing triple a under the bus. Right. But they stay for the Sundance, not for the like fucking the daytime Emmys, you know, like it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Cause like even this year, right? Like we already know Red Dead is fucking amazing. So staying there on Wednesday night when there's all those events to watch Red Dead win every single award is not really worth my time. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas going and seeing the best of the best of the best of the indies around the country in one singular celebration is definitely worth my time and everybody's for that matter. So it's, it's a different thing. It's not like I don't think those folks are rockstar doing amazing stuff. It's just, like we already know exactly what's going to happen there. Yeah, it's like, just expected. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so there's not really, you know, it's like March Madness versus watching the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It's like, well, fuck, I kind of know what's going to happen here. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then I guess um, we will uh, kind of wind down with like, um, what uh, what brought you to. Uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, why did you decide to kind of uh, go, all, go all in on that location? Sure. Uh, I actually didn't even know Erie existed when I was a kid uh, mm-hmm. or growing up. Um, I moved here for that Penn State job that I mentioned quite a few years ago. Um, yeah. yeah, so I taught at Penn State out here in uh, Erie at a satellite campus, Barron. It's kind of an engineering-heavy campus, um, hence the kind of engineering bent that the program took. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very programmy kind of program. Um, in any case, I, I taught at that for three, four years. Um, and when I left, you know, Erie's a place where, I mean, you can buy a house for 60 grand. You can get mm-hmm. a beer for a dollar. Like, I guess, I think Erieites, as people that are from here, are harder on the city than people who move here. Because okay. folks that are from here are very much like, oh, Erie sucks, there's nothing here, blah, 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 blah. And then, but you ha- have you lived anywhere else, though? You know, <laughs> I mean, like when I was in California, my wife and I did kind of five or six things. We'd go to a sports game here and there, you know, go to the movies. We'd go to the beach, swim in the ocean, you know, um, mm-hmm. go to craft beer places, and then kind of play video games, hang out on the couch. And the thing that you kind of realize after you've moved around a lot, like I've lived in Christ, every freaking half the provinces in Canada, mm-hmm. like four states, Japan, like I've been everywhere. And uh, you kind of do the same shit no matter where you are, right? Like, I mean, when mm-hmm. I lived in Japan, it was like, okay, I go to breweries, I swim, I play video games on my couch, and I hang out with my wife. Like, it's always the same shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do that exact same crap here in Erie, PA, go swim in Lake Erie, hang out on the beach, go to these massive craft breweries that I love, um, you know, travel to nearby shows and stuff in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, 
um, hang out here, go to the movies, go to minor league games. If I want to see a major league game, I hop and go see the Steelers or whatever. Like it's, I mean, but now my house is fucking 80 grand for a fabulous home. Whereas, you know, when I was in California, the identical home is like 925, 980, 950 thereabouts. So it's just when I was like, I want to start a business and have a higher quality of life and not have to work, you know, 80 fucking hours a week minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, this instantly came to mind. I mean, like the runway I have here to take risks and publish games that are kind of weird and kind of different. And even if they don't do massive, you know, million units a game, like to still have that be sustainable and have a quality of life that's not garbage. I mean, Erie instantly jumped out for that. I mean, you do have to be okay yeah. with the snow, to be clear. Um, yes. But yes, yeah, I we're mean, feeling it. Yeah, I mean, any anywhere in the north, really, that's kind of the same. So, you know, we have folks over... Like Starcross, that whole team, we've had them over a dozen times from New York City. And, you know, they just literally will usually take a day and just walk around and look at houses and just kind of have their jaw hanging on the fucking floor mm-hmm. about, like, how little the things cost. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, this is a Rust Belt city, so it's got that kind of Rust Belt look to it. It's got lots of old, cool factories and kind of these, um, you know, uh, smokestacks that are no longer smoking and all these kind mm-hmm. of very cool... So a lot of stuff's popping up in a lot of those now, as like breweries and old factories and like, you know, kind of kitschy shops and all that kind of cool stuff. So, I, you know, we're trying to be part of kind of a reinvigoration of this part of the world. And uh, I'm happy to do that. I think it's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, sure. as a Canadian, I will tell you that like being in the States lately makes me pretty nervous. But uh, <laughs> But that's the whole country, whether you put me in. You know, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. California, Louisiana, whatever. I'm still going to be like, hey, I hope I don't get shot to death today. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's more that's more the country than the city. To be yeah, clear. that's that's everybody. Right. I think. I mean, that definitely is the uh, the kind of thing too, where like, um, you know, when you're somewhere, especially when you feel like you're not like I don't know, in like one of the big coastal cities or something. It's uh, like, oh, nothing goes on here. This place sucks, and it is exactly like you said, like. When you get out into the world and go to these cities, you're like, oh, I get it. Everything sucks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I suck. You know, the story I like said, well, right, because that's the human condition. Something yeah. that I will do will make all this better. Nope, nothing. Nope. It's in you. You have to fix you. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, Brian Wilson, when I took him to L.A., um, I guess he'd been never really like downtown L.A. I think he like went through one time or whatever. But I took him to L.A. for E3, and we were going into that interview, which is, like, in this massive, beautiful, like, $1,900 a night, gorgeous Hilton, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're walking to it, and we're just outside of it, and he literally stepped in hobo shit. Ah. Literally. Like, human feces on the sidewalk. Yep. And he's just like, wow, this is L.A. in a nutshell. I'm standing outside of a hotel <laughs> that I personally could never possibly afford to stay in even though I'm here for, like, work. And I just literally stepped in human feces, like, 50 feet from the front door. <laughs> and he's just like, this is the microcosm of what a shithole this place is. <laughs> and, I, like, in an instant, just like, yeah. When I left San Diego area... They were literally spraying the sidewalks with like antibiotics and alcohol because there was like an outbreak of hepatitis from the Jesus. amount of just homeless people just shitting on the ground everywhere. Oh my God. Like it's as far as I'm concerned, man, wow. like I don't have great opinions about California. I think it's basically fucking hell on earth between 
wildfires and earthquakes and flooding and landslides and shootings and crime and gentrification and like it's just mm. a dump and it's not even about it's not a political thing i you know it, i like the fact that it was more liberal um right. but just yeah i don't have a lot of love for cali i go back for work of course and that you know i love to visit but california is like my wife said, it's like the dumb guy you date in high school. It's like, God, he is so good to look at, but fuck me, are you hollow? Um, huh. And it, like, yeah. Uh, so we always say, Callie makes a great Instagram background, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in uh, I think in the U.S., we never really figured out uh, cities. <laughs> yeah, We're really I mean, good at extremely big <laughs> ones, but they don't have the basic shit that you need to keep your city working. And, and well, I mean, like, traffic cases. is so brutal and like just the most basic things break down i mean one of the things like about again like thinking about erie i mean i still here regularly accidentally arrive like a half hour plus early for things because i forget Mm -hmm. that like stuff doesn't take any time so i'd be like oh shit i gotta go to work i gotta get there at 10 i gotta leave at eight and then it's like oh cool i'm two hours early or an hour and 52 minutes early because it took me like six minutes to get here or whatever (laughs) and it's just like I mean, even in the like pre-call when you called me, whatever, like we were ten minutes before, like I went the entire fucking way across town, and it's not like it's a small <laughs> town. It was like eleven miles or something. Yeah. Whereas, like, that you know, you're in two and a half hours to get to. Where oh I was my god! Work. Right? It's like a fucking in the time it took me to commute to work, I can be in Pittsburgh or Toronto. Like, it's just it's so stupid. Oh, anyway. Yep. All right. Yeah, That's it's been uh, definitely been good talking to you. I think. Um, I, I mean, if you'd be up for it in the future, we might. Uh, maybe check in and see some progress or yeah, when we're sure. doing events like probably not award shows but um maybe e3 in the future if you wanted to drop in on a show or two great um definitely can look at that and i've been investing in pretty much everything i can track down in your guys's like great thank you i think um i think i found my way in through Bombfest, but then there was like i was like oh i already backed this thing before and oh i, I heard about this at my game dev meetup a year ago and great um so yeah i kind of i don't know i kind of stumbled into <laughs> you know your orbit a little bit there but um I like it. yeah it's definitely been uh, good talking to you it's interesting um i can see uh you know I can, I can very concretely see the path forward i think hey, um, especially with this you. first batch I yeah i i want to i, I want to go out and say like i think what what's happening what you guys are doing is fantastic just because mm-hmm. it's it's doing something in an area that uh like both of us on the podcast this is the area that we come from mm-hmm. and right growing up there it was so um like no that's not what you do you you go right. you, you get your education and then you work in a factory that's what you do you get try to get the best job you can at a factory and like seeing yeah. something yeah, else that's definitely, there is that's definitely really here too. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think a lot of folks here enjoy, and there's there's quite a lot of that happening here, right? There's tech companies popping up, film studios popping up, things that mm-hmm. are you know do give you options that are not just yeah, like you say, you know, go put together train parts or whatever. Right, there's right. A lot, there's a lot to this area that just standing on a assembly line all day doesn't let you experience. So I think giving people options is really important because of course if they don't have them they just leave right right and then that's hard on the city for its own way so uh yeah we definitely like to be a part of that in what little way we possibly can be cool yeah we look forward to seeing what comes up uh next for you guys and the four major games that you guys have coming out uh we will 
keep up with them and talk about them, I think, as much as we can on our podcast when things yeah. come up. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for talking with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you guys later then. Yes. For sure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.